Welcome to the Affinity Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about team member engagement, which is also known as employee engagement. Uh, in the last episode, we covered why Grant uses the word team member instead of employee, so we won't, we won't go over it here, but just so you know, whenever we're referring to team members, they're also known as employees or staff. So uh, welcome, Grantly. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? Good. Uh, let's start off with ENPS. What is ENPS? So EMPS is a metric of engagement for team members. So it's the employee net promoter score. So it's asking the same question we often get asked by companies uh, of customers, and that is how likely are you to recommend our company to a friend or a family member? Now, when you ask a team member that, what you're really saying to the team member is, do you like the company enough and the culture that you're ingrained in here enough to bring your friends or family members in and if they answer yes to that so what i mean by that is they give you a nine or ten on the emps scale they're saying i'm engaged i enjoy my work i like the company i work for and therefore yes i would invite my friends or family members to come and work here and that's wonderful um you know in these days where we're seeing really stressed workforces Everybody I speak to, every CEO, every manager, every leader that I talk with is struggling to find talent. And if you have team members that really get you, they know what your business is all about and they enjoy that experience and they're referring their friends, they've got a great, they're a great resource because they are a point of trust for those people, those friends and family members. So you've already got like a big tick when they're suggesting to their friend or family member, hey, you should come and work with us. So that gets you a step closer and it also um, creates, as I said, trust that, that wouldn't normally be established until you've got you know, more connections. Sounds like team member engagement really makes a difference. A huge difference. Um, you know, the pandemic has really brutalized the workforce on almost every level. Um, you, you see that people are so, or feeling socially isolated, they're anxious, uh, they're feeling stressed. And that, that shift in the workforce can make, you know, can make it really difficult to operate and even to function. So I'm finding that the companies that really engage with their team members, that try and create a workplace that is a preferred place to work, are the ones that are actually doing well in terms of recruitment, retention, and ultimately team member engagement, of course. Why do team member engagement statistics matter to companies? So statistically, 71% of uh, managers, leaders, executives know that team member engagement is critical. Like it really is a defining piece of whether team members are productive, whether they're doing their best work, whether they're in flow, a lot of things I talk about in the affinity principle, whether those things are happening within their company. So as a leader, manager, executive of a company, uh, it's, it's quite normal to recognize this. The challenge is how to measure it, and that's what Affinity OS is designed to do. It's also how to shift it, and we'll talk a little bit more about that today. Uh, does team member engagement correlate with customer experience? So, 
this is the affinity formula. This is what this whole podcast is about, really. Uh, the affinity formula speaks to uh, great leadership leading to a great team experience, which encourages engagement, obviously. And then the members or the customers have, in turn, a great experience. So the affinity formula really suggests, and, and I've proven this out over and over again, and it's proven out in you know any company that understands and works towards team member engagement or employee engagement, understands this, that it will shift the needle and the money will come. Does team member engagement drive brand loyalty? So companies that set up advocacy programs for their team members, uh, 79% of those companies, and, and we'll have a reference to all these stats at the end of the show notes, but 79% of companies have experienced an improvement when they've set up an advocacy program. And an advocacy program can be as simple as like the Affinity OS system, just polling team members to see how they're doing and being responsive to those um, needs and what they're expressing. And oftentimes it's, it's just acknowledgement, oftentimes is enough. Can you reference some numbers around uh, turnover rates for engaged team members? So in the Global Wellness Report from Gallup, they suggested that there was higher turnover in the less engaged workforces at between 18 and 43%. So they're big numbers. So essentially, if we can invest in an advocacy program, uh, a team engagement program, uh, we can improve our retention by potentially anywhere from 18% to 43%. Are companies with higher uh, team engagement scores more profitable? Uh, very definitely. Um, <clears throat> so on average, about 21% more profitable. So, and we're talking everything from Fortune 500 companies down to small, you know, small, what I'd say, single site companies. So there's very definite data, and this is both quantitative and qualitative data and longitudinal studies that have determined that you've got a much higher profitability level, productivity level, if your team members are engaged. So measuring that engagement level seems like just a no-brainer. What are the team engagement statistics that are the most recent team engagement statistics that people should really know about? Well, <clears throat> you think about turnover and people changing careers. And in a disengaged employee or team member, there's a 74% chance of them looking for another position or seeking another opportunity. In an engaged team member, you're looking at a 30% possibility. So because team members are engaged doesn't mean they're necessarily not looking for the next opportunity or to grow or to earn more money. It just means they're much more likely to stay. And that likelihood affects a lot of things. If you have team members that are staying on team and you're not recruiting, you're not training, then your costs associated with those team members is far lower. So another couple of statistics that are really pretty scary. Um, at the moment, three out of four Americans are thinking about quitting their job. That's a 2022 number. And we're only early into 2023, and I'm not sure that it's changing very much. 38% uh, of Aussies are thinking about quitting their job uh, and looking for another opportunity. Those are big numbers, and I think we're all feeling the impact of that. And yet we're 
also struggling to find people. So think about the contradiction here. People are thinking about leaving, but are they also thinking about coming to you? And I think that's the premise of this whole piece is how do we become a preferred place to work? How do we become that place of choice where we want to work? Um, it's absolutely critical for us to think about how we create a, an environment where team members can thrive and feel engaged and feel, feel like they're doing their best work. And, and we can literally fight those numbers. But at the moment, it's pretty endemic that people are feeling like uh, they're a little lost and that they're not happy where they are today. Um, there's also engagement numbers that suggest, if you look at it, that in 2018 it peaked at about uh, 36% and it's declined up until today. And we've got to ask ourselves what's happening there. And I think there's a few things at play and we'll talk about those a little bit more in, in the latter part of this podcast. Does age matter when considering team member engagement? Absolutely. And, and I think any managers, executives, leaders will recognize this, um, that, you know, we've got Gen Z and millennials, they're, they're a very different group of team members. And we need to be cognizant of that. Um, they have less resistance to stress at work. And um, maybe that's a would be considered a bad thing. Maybe it's a good indicator that, you know, stress at work um, shouldn't be tolerated. Um, and I'm not saying that we should never be stressed at work. It's inevitable we're going to have stressful days and stressful times. But if it's constant pressure and constant stress, um, nobody thrives in that environment. But Gen Z and millennials in particular do not thrive in that environment. So these groups of workers, uh, millennials and Gen Z, put a lot more emphasis on work-life balance. And even if you look more broadly, 53% of all team members are more likely to prioritise health and well-being over their work now. And that's a big shift. Uh, people are recognising that um, stressful environments, working environments, um, are not good for their health and they are putting their health first. And so we need to be ahead of that, not behind that. Uh, there's also another number that, you know, is pretty graphic and it's 69% of people would work harder if they felt that they were more appreciated. And I know appreciation is expressed in different ways and that you know, is sometimes reflected in the pay packet, but that's really not the most positive or the most uh, proactive space for this to happen. The real recognition needs to happen with acknowledgement and um, just checking in with people and acknowledging their efforts, uh, rewarding excellent failures even. That's a whole thing in and unto itself. So really acknowledging people and letting them feel like they are appreciated will actually accelerate their productivity. So it's there's a good payoff there for you if if you're resistant to that and you feel like well i don't want to mollycoddle people i'll suggest to you that that's a really old way of looking at things uh if you can nurture your team encourage your team take care of your team uh, your team will take care of you that's a, that's a given there's also an interesting case study uh, published in forbes that stated that companies with performance enhancing cultures in place have driven a 500% higher increase in revenue growth and more than 755% net income growth compared to those that didn't. That's, that's huge. Yeah, and you know, I think one of the things we're trying to put into context here is this is not airy-fairy stuff. 
there's some really, really good studies around employee engagement, team engagement, and and we can't ignore this stuff. Like we can fob it off going, oh, you know, it's too hard. And in actual fact, it's really not. Uh, one of the keys with us developing Affinity OS was to develop a system that's actually scalable where you can see what the engagement level is, you can see what's driving that, good or bad, and you've got the ability to respond to that and, and close that communication loop. So I really feel like this is sort of the new era of management. And you know, I talk about mindful leadership in my book, The Affinity Principle. Uh, being a mindful le- leader really means that you're just present and that you n- have a sense of what's going on and you're responsive to that. And uh, yes, you demonstrate empathy where needed, but ultimately just that you're aware of what's happening in your workforce. And I think a lot of times we feel like, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. We can't keep people, you know, people are unhappy. Uh, people are always complaining. They're always looking for the next thing. And where in truth, what's happening there truly and simply is the environment we're creating is really pushing people out the door, sadly. What are the top reasons people leave their jobs? Um, There's really five that that really jump out. And um, number one is, is actually the company culture. And people cite toxic company culture as being the main reason why they leave a company. And... um, it's really what I'm talking about in this. And a toxic company culture doesn't mean necessarily that, uh, you know, it's a, an aggressive uh, culture or that it's a even a, a highly demanding culture as such. It just means that it's a culture where people don't feel happy and comfortable and appreciated, as I said before. So a toxic company culture is really hard to hard to reverse if you don't know what's driving and what the underpinning elements are really easy to reverse if you have a metric and again affinity os is designed to do that to give you a sense of how is the culture being acknowledged appreciated um, what's going on and what's not Uh, the company i'm working with right now um, we have really good uh, metrics on leadership caring and um people feeling like they're doing their best work and people feeling like uh, they're acknowledged. But one of the areas we're working on right now is is development, personal development. We get you know lower scores on our ability to help team members grow and, and be better both personally and professionally. But the good news is we know that and we see that and we recognise it and we're taking action towards it. And that's the difference. Um, it's very hard to plot a chart forward to create a positive cult- co- company culture when you don't know what's driving the issues or what the issues are. Um, number two uh, is salary. So it is related to remuneration. And we can't dismiss that. You know, dollars and cents matter. Uh, if you have a competitive pay structure and all else is positive, you'll hold on to people. If you have an uncompetitive pay structure, and all else is equal, yes, you are going to suffer some with that. But what I will tell you is that pay is not, in most cases, the main reason why people leave a company. Uh, Number three is management style. And this sort of relates to the first one about toxic company culture. Uh, Management style can be based on a lot of different things, can be, you know, related back to a lot of different things. 
Uh, one of the things about management style is how you communicate, and I'd say that would probably be the most important and underpinning piece. Uh, there was a, a study done on management communication and team members cited that 91% of managers are poor communicators. And I think we'd look at ourselves and go, hang on, no, I'm a really good communicator. I know how to talk. I can write an email. I, I'm, I'm very, you know, uh, very good in terms of my communication style. But what team members are saying is that they don't feel they're being communicated with well. And so we need to drill down on that sort of thing. And again, um, with Affinity OS, we bubble to the top. The AI that pushes the commentary to the top, it's very powerful. And what it does is bring into focus those points, for example, like you know, communication style, but it also puts it in context. So you've got these little sound bites that you can read, sort of, it's right there, it's right beside the numbers that can tell you exactly what's going on. And, it, and it's the team members' sound bites, and those are powerful. And they're things that you're not gonna normally get because unless you're down at the coalface, so you're in the club or in the business or on the floor, at all your locations, you can't hope to get that sort of distillation of commentary. Uh, number four is work-life boundaries and work-life balance. And uh, we are seeing more demands on this today. And I think we've got to acknowledge that the old days of working a 60-hour week and you know coming on, on Monday barely recovered from the previous week isn't probably the most productive thing. We're seeing many countries go to four-day work weeks and they're seeing that the productivity actually bumps up rather than goes down, which seems like it's hard to imagine. Uh, but I ran a company not so long back and that company did a nine-day fortnight. So every second Friday was a day off. And so it was a long weekend, if you will. And the productivity there I thought was excellent. And the thing that I would have done next with that company is go to a four-day work week because I think that would have, again, enhanced our productivity rather than dropped it back. So we need to think about these things and not dismiss them as fads or as things that are being promoted by um, unions, for example, or such. Uh, those stats aren't coming from those sources. They're coming from Gallup. They're coming from really good you know, research-driven companies that, that are looking at this and, and really looking at it with the blinders off. Um, so, and the last one is uh, opportunities for remote work. And I want to talk about this a little bit, you know, the hybrid workplace. Um, there was a study done on, on how highly team members are engaged. And it suggested that um, when people are on site, the average was about 72%. Uh, when they worked remotely, it was closer to 78%. But the hybrid workplace was about 81%. I want to speak to why that might be the case. And um, this is, again, not a theory. This is based on a lot of research that's out there. Um, it's not healthy to work remotely full-time. That's not ideal. But nor is it healthy to be in that cubicle every day full-time. And so the hybrid workplace is where you find that balance. And that balance of somebody spending maybe one or two days at home and the three or four days at work and getting that balance of um, not having that, that pressure that you might feel in the office nor having that isolation you might feel from being purely you know, located at home. And I realise um, that there's certain companies where that doesn't work. I mean, a receptionist um, in a business, it's very hard for them to work remotely, given. 
Um, but equally, there's many people in most organisations where a hybrid work environment could easily work. And I think we really need to be... Um, we need to realise that the pandemic changed many things, but one of the things that it did bring to the fore was the ability for hybrid work to work for us in a productive sense. Okay, so the top five reasons why team members leave their jobs are a toxic company culture, low salary, poor management style, lack of healthy work-life boundaries, and no opportunities for remote work. What can a leader, an executive, a manager do to uh, ameliorate this? Yeah, I think the, the key here is to understand, and, and this is an individual thing as well, so it's not just a group thing. You might see that you have a toxic company culture in the eyes of your team members that can be endemic, but it could be isolated to a particular division, could be isolated to a particular group of people, it could be isolated to an individual where they see it that way. And as much as we might say that if there's less people saying it, then maybe there's less of it, that's possibly true, but it could be a toxic manager, for example. So you might have a team member, team manager who really isn't creating a great work environment, whereas the rest of the company is flourishing. And to that end, uh, I think that that's where Affinity OS really comes in and where it's powerful, is that it can isolate that information for you. So you can see that if you're getting feedback, where that feedback's coming from and, and help manage to that. So obviously this podcast is all based on the affinity principle and what we're saying there is great leadership leads to a great team experience which leads to a great member or customer experience which equals financial results. And if we understand that premise and we buy into it, what we need to do is ensure that we are delivering as, te as team leaders, as executives, as managers a great team experience. And truly the only way to do that is to measure that, is to really measure it in a, an anonymous forum in a way where the team members can express themselves openly. And that is why we, we do Affinity OS. It's why we developed Affinity OS. Is what we're doing is giving the team member a voice and in turn listening to that voice and being responsive to that. So Affinity OS polls team members every month asks them a series of questions and it just leads with one question and it always asks the question which we're referring to as the EMPS question and that is how likely are you to recommend a friend or family member to become a team member at your company uh, and we quantify that information and distill it into what you would see as themes and in Affinity OS you'll see themes as bubbles and those bubbles will, for example, have you know, a circle going around them. And if it's a lot of red, then it's probably, or it's definitely not good sentiment or positive sentiment. If it's a lot of green, it is positive sentiment. So you can see at a glance from these themes, and it's word cloud bubbles. So you can see the big, biggest bubble, if it's predominantly green, that's a positive thing. And maybe that's work-life balance. Wow. So you obviously at your workplace to live a great work-life balance. You might have another bubble that's predominantly red and that one might be... Uh, communication. Yeah, communication. And maybe communication's not strong. Now, I've got to say that usually communication's going to underwrite, you know, the, the whole you know, the whole shebang. Uh, so communication to me is, is 
fundamental and foundational in all of this. But if that was red, then you'd want to then drill into that. And so you can just click on the bubble and look at what's what's the sentiment that's rising up? What are the individual sound bites? Uh, what are the themes that are coming with that? And you can continue to drill down. So in Praces, uh, the Affinity OS system is really, and I'm talking specific to the EMPS part, is really specifically designed to distill into very manageable sound bites, what's going on within your company in terms of team engagement and being able to then respond to those things. And uh, it's a powerful system. Uh, the AI that drives this is actually called Medallia. So Medallia is the AI engine. And just recently Medallia got some really uh, wonderful uh, props and awards for their system. Uh, it was actually named the number one customer experience uh Software, software platform yeah yep. platform yep. and so we do combine customer experience with the team member experience which nobody else does which is why this is so powerful because it takes the whole picture into account and, and that's true and you know to close with this comment uh the empas system is really powerful but if you remember the formula again great leadership leads to a great team experience and then that leads to a great member or customer experience we're going to look at that next time and we'll talk about mps which is how likely is that member or customer to refer a friend or a family member to your business to actually buy your product? And that's a pretty important question too. Well, thank you all for joining us today. We really appreciate it. If you have any questions or comments, uh, please let us know. You can reach out to us on social or leave a comment. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.